Welcome to Moncrief Parish Church podcast with the Reverend Sarah Ross, otherwise known as the Rev Sarah Shares. This is our first time exploring this medium and we are really pleased to be able to share in this way. What follows is the scripture reading brought to us by a member of the congregation and then this week's reflection on the sermon. This week we finish our journey into Philippians chapter 4 and we are really finishing a series on Philippians. So if you do want to find out some more about it, you can through YouTube and Facebook where our videos are available. However, from next week, we start our journey into Lent and we look at why Jesus was crucified. So this week, if you like, treat it as a test run and hopefully next week um, it will start to flow and be a series that might help us get through what is one of the most challenging seasons in the Christian calendar. Do stay with us as we hear from God's word and then our reflection on it. Today's reading is from Philippians chapter 4, reading verses 10 to 23. Thanks for the gift. In my life in union with the Lord, it is a great joy to me that after so long a time, you once more had the chance of showing that you care for me. I don't mean that you had stopped caring for me, You just had no chance of showing it. And I am not saying this because I feel neglected, for I have learnt to be satisfied with what I have. I know what it is to be in need and what it is to have more than enough. I have learnt this secret so that anywhere, at any time, I am content, whether I am full or hungry, whether I have too much or too little. I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. But it was very good of you to help me in my troubles. You Philippians know very well that when I left Macedonia in the early days of preaching the good news, you were the only church to help me. You were the only ones who shared my profits and losses. More than once when I needed help in Thessalonica, you sent it to me. It is not that I just want to receive gifts, rather, I want to see profit added to your account. Here then is my receipt for everything you have given me, and it has been more than enough. I have all I need now that Epaphroditus has brought me all your gifts. They are like a sweet-smelling offering to God, a sacrifice which is acceptable and pleasing to him. And with all his abundant wealth through Christ Jesus, My God will supply all your needs. To our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Final greetings. Greetings to each one of God's people who belong to Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters here with me send you their greetings. All God's people here send greetings, especially those who belong to the Emperor's Palace. May the grace of Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Thank you to Andy for bringing us that reading today. Children should be seen and not heard. Big boys don't cry. Chin up, dearie, it might never happen. She is so stoical. He has a stiff upper lip. In previous generations, we prided ourselves, especially as British people, in our ability to be stoical, 
to put up with anything and wear our scars with pride and yet quietness. We wore our grief in our black garments and refused to shed a tear for appearing weak. But Queen Victoria famed for saying, we are not amused. Or our own queen sitting alone at the funeral of her husband and lifetime companion, a striking image of our time. I remember early in my training, a friend at the time teasing me about my perfected plastic smile. Often what we project to the world around us is not necessarily what we feel inside. And we do talk about wearing masks, not literally as we have in the pandemic, but that look that we carry that doesn't really share what is our reality. Unfortunately, I smile when I am nervous, which as you can imagine in my line of work could be most of the time. It's not a good trait, especially when I was called into the head teacher's office or had to speak to the police. Now you're all wondering, but that's a story perhaps for another day. But first of all, let me reassure you that this is not about pretending that everything is okay. I am not going to invite you to continually project an I'm okay image. It is okay to not be okay. And indeed, Paul, in this passage about being content in all types of circumstances, is not inviting us either to behave in some kind of British reticence. In fact, he is against the stoical belief system of the day. A couple of weeks ago, you might remember that we met those who believed it didn't matter what you did because God would forgive you for everything. So they went to the highest of virtues and to the lowest of whatever the opposite of virtues is. Others felt it didn't matter what you did to the body because God only cared for the soul. And this week, into this melting pot of various theologies and philosophies that were around, we stopped by the Stoics. They thought that to be truly content in this lifetime, you had to eradicate the need for anything, including emotion and desires. They aimed somehow to be self-sufficient so that nothing would bother them. Nothing mattered. Nothing had value in the sense that you couldn't grieve over something because it didn't matter. To be honest, it kind of sounds really dull to me and actually really hard work. And Jesus said we are to live life in all its fullness. And that has to include our emotions. Uh, it has to include relationships. It has to include desire. Now, contentment is not the same as being comfortable. We can be incredibly uncomfortable. We can be in an incredible amount of pain or suffering and still somehow be content. Paul teaches that he is content whether he has a little or a lot, whether he's fed or hungry, because in Christ alone he finds his strength. And the risk here for us is that sounds a little bit twee. Well, everything's okay with me because Christ has it in hand. And yes, that's true, but it can be that kind of platitude that really doesn't mean anything unless you understand what's going on underneath it. So it's easy to say, but how do we actually practice what we preach? See what I did there. Firstly, 
perhaps most importantly, I think we have to bear in mind the amount of times that Paul talks about the peace of God, not just in this letter, but elsewhere. But we'll just pick on this letter because that's where we're at. Even in this letter, he mentions at verse 7 in this chapter 4, And God's peace, which is far beyond human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in union with Christ Jesus. Now remember, this peace is not some kind of superficial level of peace. It's about your whole being. So mind, body, spirit, the whole lot is about your well-being. It's about peace throughout. It is, if you will, having the ability to walk on the storm waters like Peter did when he stepped out of the boats. We can see this peace in the people who navigate loss, trauma, grief, or the ones who wear multiple hats and still somehow exude grace, peace, compassion, serenity, call it what you will. Reality is the storms are still raging. Um, it's still chaotic. And yet somehow they are able to walk on water with Jesus. So the peace of Christ allows us to pause and breathe, to appreciate the world around us, enables us to rest in the fields of contentment. Indeed, Psalm 23 is a psalm of peace because wherever we find ourselves, we find ourselves held by God. And I still love that psalm to this day, no matter how many times I've read it or sang it. We are held by God, whether we are at the table of our enemies, whether we're in the valley of the shadow of death or by streams of living water, plus all the other things that I haven't mentioned. So to be content is to be at peace with our surroundings or our circumstances, whatever they might be. But again, not the same as being comfortable. And it's not to deny their reality either. It's not to pretend they're not there. The dark valley is real and it's hard to navigate and it can take a really long time to get through it. I'm sure Paul himself was not rejoicing at having a death sentence, although dying did not bother him. He rejoiced at the fact he was in the company of his crucified Lord who knows what it is to die as an innocent, yet be branded a criminal. For Paul, he's keeping good company. So firstly, peace. Secondly, accept help. Now, to be fair, Paul is not renowned for accepting help, but partly this is due to the motivation of the giver. If we give gifts in order to get kudos, we are like the hypocrites that Jesus speaks about who make their sacrifice publicly or to show off. And showing off really isn't meant to be our thing as Christians. In fact, we are to give in secret as much as possible. The Philippian church had made an effort to give despite everything that's going on. They wanted to support the ministry of Paul and the wider church and they recognised that he is in need and make an effort to meet those needs. Jesus taught us that we are not to worry about where our food or clothes etc come from because God knows that we need them. We don't always recognise them as gifts from God but I'm sure we've heard it said that gift, that person, that opportunity was an answer to prayer. Remember, help from those who have the knowledge, the experience, the resources doesn't show a lack of faith. It shows wisdom. We are to be interdependent upon one another, a family, if you will. 
It's not a sign of weakness or a lack of faith to take help, medical support, counsel, or even to show emotion. It's like that old joke about the man caught in a flood. He prayed and he climbed up on the roof of his house and he prayed for help and in turn turned away a raft, a speedboat and a helicopter. Eventually he drowns and he asks the Lord, why didn't you rescue me? The Lord shook his head in frustration and said, I sent you a raft, a speedboat and a helicopter. What more did you want? Like they say, sometimes angels walk amongst us and we just don't know it. So one is to accept help. The other is to recognize that you might be somebody else's answer to prayer. God needs us to be active and involved. We are the body of Christ. How many prayers have gone unanswered because we missed the opportunities to give, not just financially, but to give that word of encouragement that would have bound up a broken heart, a compromise that would have allowed everyone to walk away with dignity, a donation and a charity appeal that would have given a gift to a struggling family. Never underestimate what God can do with our little. Nothing, including you and me, is insignificant to God. And he can take our gifts and multiply them. I genuinely believe, and I have said this before, that whatever we give away, we receive back. It might not come back immediately, and it might not be like for like. But I believe that whenever we give that little bit extra, when we give our time, especially when it's precious, when we pray for others, we find ourselves repaid somehow. Added profit to our account, as Paul says to the church in Philippi. We might not find a winning lottery ticket on the street. Stranger things have happened. But blessings do come in all shapes and sizes. Remember, the widow's pennies were worth more than the excess wealth of the rich. So when our giving is truly generous, it is then we notice the generosity of God. We recognise it. It's the art of appreciation, something COVID has taught us, and may we not forget it. As this wee letter of joy of excellence comes to an end, we are encouraged by how far Christianity has spread. Even a man in jail can preach the gospel and add more to the kingdom of God every day. We might think that we are insignificant, that we are never going to build God's kingdom. But a man in prison for his faith is able to bring more into the kingdom of God. Do not be defined by your circumstances. Be defined by God in your circumstances. A coaster on my desk reads, life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. In one of my readings a long while ago, it still resonates with me and indeed is written up on my board, is about trusting God. If you wander off the road to the right or the left, you will hear his voice behind you saying, here is the road, follow it. And that road might lead us through any number of events and locations. But God is there with you, guiding you every step of the way. May you know his peace, that you will be content, especially when you are not comfortable. 
Next week is the beginning of Lent, perhaps the most uncomfortable season in the Christian calendar. And we're going to consider how the ministry of Jesus led him to be crucified. I hope that you will be able to join me through the weeks of Lent as we head towards Holy Week and Easter. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. And I hope that it's generated some thoughts, some questions, perhaps inspired and encouraged you. Please know that God loves you so very much. And I look forward to joining with you next week with our first series of Lent. Have a blessed week. God bless you.